Back in 2008, Pete Souza was hired to be the official White House photographer. He flew immediately, once he got the job, from Chicago to D.C. and left all of his camera equipment. So he has nothing with him, and he has to take the official portrait of the president of the United States. So he called up his uh, friend in D.C., a photographer named Andy Cotraro, to ask if he could, you know, borrow some gear. So, Andy, what'd you tell him? I told him the only trade-off would be that he make a picture of me assisting at some point. So so basically the, the deal that you'd made with Pete is I will help you with this uh, portrait, but at some point you have to snap a photo which has me and the president-elect of the United States in it. That was the deal. I told Pete, I'll do this. I'll help you in any capacity. I just want proof that I was there. You have to go wide on one picture, make sure I'm in the frame. And he agreed. So tell us then, so you're in the room then. I imagine you guys yeah. took some time. You got all your equipment set up. So what happens when the, the president or president-elect walks in to get his picture taken? What are you guys up to? Sure. Well, the first person we saw come through the hall was his body man, Reggie. Introduced himself, came in, uh, said he'd be down in a minute, uh, and mentioned only that the holdup was that uh, someone had to run across the street to CVS to get him a bick. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> by now it was 9 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night, and the president needed, needed to shave. So uh, they got him a bick. He went to the bathroom uh, outside the hall and picked up. And then he just by himself came walking down the hall and into the office we had, had set up. Had he, he cut himself? himself? Did he, by any chance, no, did he cut no. himself shaving? No, no, I didn't. I don't think so. He came in. He said, uh, uh, as you guys know, I got a lot on my plate. So can we get down <laughs> to this? And I think the exchange took, I think Pete took maybe 12 frames, and the president started to, uh, you know, look up at Pete. He said, Pete, you got it? You got it? And Pete says, uh, yes, yes, sir, Mr. President. Uh, we're good. And he started to walk away. And that's when I realized Pete was so caught up in making those images that he, he never, I know he never went wide on the frame that oh, I was wow. supposed to be included in. So this is my one chance that I. I, I stopped the president. I, I just had his hand on the on the door handle. I said, Mr. President-elect, actually, could you come back for one more? Uh, there's a light. You know, I wasn't sure it was going off. I want to make sure it was happening. And I, I, just, went, I just went for it. I remember looking over at Pete. Pete was still standing on a chair. And uh, I think even the president was head wise up to what happened. Yeah. He kind of smirked. He's like, one more? And I was, yes, sir. Did you lobby uh, Pete for the one of the pictures that you were in when he was selecting no. the portrait? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that's on the card, so this is good that we're doing this, getting this on the record, because some archivist is going to pull that digital card 100 years from now and wonder who this jerk is. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andy, thank you. Thank you so much. Gentlemen. Okay, good talking to you. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to be an ogre. If you need to know how to be an ogre, mm-hmm. uh, we'll also bring you the latest toilet of the week. But first, Brian Robinson, University of Texas. Remy Adel, Boomer Sumer. Kevin Williams, Oklahoma State. Jared Allen, Culinary Academy. Chad Greenwood. That is the sound of the Minnesota Vikings introducing themselves on Sunday Night Football. Now, you'll see the same kind of thing uh, next week at the Super Bowl. Of course, it won't be the Minnesota Vikings because they're terrible at, at sports. They're actually they're, they actually were finished ten and six this year, and they had one of the best running backs probably in the in the game. Anyway, Chris Collinsworth is a lead analyst for NBC Sunday Night Football and uh, Inside the NFL on Showtime. 
And before that, he played for the Cincinnati Bengals as a wide receiver. So, Chris, what did you do for your player intro? You know, this is going to be a painful answer for me, but I am a bit too old to have been a part of that era of when anybody actually cared who we were. <laughs> so, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a chance to do it. But I guarantee you, they guys are exhausted. They probably rehearse in front of the mirror how they're going to do it and what they're going to do. Jared Allen from the Minnesota Vikings, he does it as Jared Allen Culinary Institute. You right. know, And so now we're starting to get a lot of high schools we're getting some elementary schools. We're getting some guys that make up a university that doesn't exist. And really, we don't care. You know, we just like for the guys to have a little FaceTime, show a little personality. And it really does, in a sentence or two, gives you some idea of who that person is, which, in the words of my wife, which is, why should I care who's playing in this game? So we're trying to make people care or at least have some idea who the guys are behind the helmet. I, I forget who it was, I, but I remember seeing one guy, and it was you know university after university, and then this guy said his name, and he said, father of two-year-old girl, Stephanie, whatever. I was like, that is so nice. Like the, That's what he considers to be the one thing he wants people to know about him. Yeah, which is, which is kind of cool. you know. But it is hard to think, all right, let's take, for example, you guys. I, if you were going to be introduced on national television and you got two sentences, and one of those was, hi, I am Michael, Ian, you know, whatever, yeah. then what would your second sentence be? It's a really great question. If, if people are listening, you got really two sentences to say who you are, what would you say? Or would you just go straight the name of my university? So what would you guys say? Well, maybe, Chris, you should start, since you never got that chance as a player. Yeah, Why don't right. you start, and then we'll, we'll, we'll follow up. We have at least as many uh, listeners as Monday Night Football has viewers, so this yeah, is your exactly. chance. At this point in my life, I would say uh, I'm Chris Collinsworth, father of four, and then spend three paragraphs telling you about my kids. I mean, that's usually what I am, <laughs> but... Uh, Back then, I don't even want to think about what I would have said <laughs> because I wasn't married the entire time that that um, that I was playing. I did have a girlfriend and my my eventual wife over the second half of my career, but I probably would have done some recruiting on the uh, on the social front if I had the opportunity. What? Really? Come, what? Yeah, You're... I probably would have said I'm Chris Collinsworth and single. If I had to say perfectly honestly what I would have said when I was 22 years old <laughs> and doing that, that's probably what I would have said. It is, it's a wild moment. I tell you, having played in the NFL, when you walk on that field, you know, you go from in the locker room feeling like you're going to be sick. I mean, I've never, I don't think, played in a game in which I wasn't inside the locker room 15 minutes before the kickoff feeling like you're going to be sick. And there were plenty of guys who got sick before every game. I mean, physically sick. Really? And then, yeah, I'm not kidding you. I mean, they're, the league is, I'll bet you every team has at least one player who who uh, loses it before the game. 
seriously. Wow. And and so those are the more of the thoughts that goes through your mind. And then when you're out there, you go, "There's no way I can drop this ball." And uh, you know, throw it to me. What are you crazy? I would yell at quarterbacks sometimes. Like, what are you nuts? You haven't thrown me a ball, and and are you crazy? Are you trying to lose this game? You know, I, I, you just you go bananas. I mean, you are you are in another. You are not human form. So you would go into the huddle in the middle of a game, and would you you turn to your quarterback and be like, "What's going on? Get me the ball." Oh, oh you can ask any of them. They all thought <laughs> I was a dope, you know. But as a general rule, that's wide receivers anyway. I mean, in general, those are some of the best athletes on the field. You know, they're usually among the fastest, and they can jump the highest. And their entire lives, they've been the best athlete. And yet, when you go into the game, you're totally dependent on the quarterback. First, the coach to call a play that would go to you. Then the quarterback to decide to throw it to you instead of one of the other five guys. And then the backs to block effectively and all that kind of stuff, right? So there's a lot of things that go into it. So if you're out there and you feel like you're open, which every wide receiver thinks they're open all the time, and the guy's not throwing you the ball, you know, you're ready to to choke him at that point. So, yeah, it's a little maddening, and I think all receivers are babies. You know, we all want the ball all the time. Well, so are you, during the course of the week, you guys are preparing for that game on Sunday, are you lobbying the offensive coordinator and the coach to kind of, like, draw up plays that are designed for you? 1,000% yes. Okay. A thousand percent. You're taking care of the quarterback. You're buying them lunch. You're buddying up to them. You're telling them, you know, how how great they are. A thousand percent. Come on, because really? you're totally you're totally dependent on. You ask any wide receiver if they suck up the quarterback. So absolutely. What? Who? Who, who did you play with? Who were your quarterbacks when when you were Kenny Anderson and Boomer Esiason. So would you take a, you'd you'd buy gifts for Boomer and be like, hey buddy, hey let's have a good game this weekend. Not not like gifts, but you're just like taking care of them all the time. You know what I mean? In the newspaper, you know, you might buy them the drinks. You're like, come on, you introduce them to girls. You do, you know, yeah, you take care of them all the time, whatever you can do. That's so like, hey, Boomer, I'm going to get some coffee. Hey, you need anything? Absolutely. <laughs> now, now, it works the other way. Like, Boomer was the first guy on our team to ever get paid a million dollars. First guy in Bengals history to ever make a million dollars. So the first time he picked up his paycheck, we stole it. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, it was, we thought it was the appropriate thing to do, and so he comes back, and so now we're watching him walk around, and you know, <laughs> insane after having lost, his, you know, the, the million dollar check. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that, I'm just telling you, football players, and I mean this lovingly, they're idiots. They're a bunch <laughs> of children who got to play a game until they were beyond grown men and and it's 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 a stupid way to exist but there is a subculture within it that is so fascinating that's amazing well chris collinsworth this has been uh fantastic thanks for your time guys i enjoyed it michael ian anytime we got an email from nikki uh, now nikki says she listens to this podcast when she's doing science. Specifically, what she's doing is she's figuring out how old fish are by counting the rings in their ear bones. Which is pretty amazing. I didn't know that you could do that. I didn't know fish had ears. Anyway, that definitely needs a soundtrack. So, uh, Nikki, these next 15 seconds are for you. Seriously, I didn't know they had ears. So even listening to this, I still I, I wouldn't know what to do. You, you really you think 
you thought fish just didn't hear anything? Yeah. They're underwater. Why do they like rap so much? I think they like jam rock. All right, we got an email from Tiernan. Now, Tiernan just got the role of Shrek in his high school musical. It's a big deal. Congratulations. Nicely done. Tiernan. And now Tiernan is also a fan of Brian Darcy James, who originated the role on Broadway. He, he played Shrek. He created it, you would say, if you were smart about this stuff. Now, what Tiernan doesn't know is that Brian Darcy James is here with us now, uh, listening in. Uh, so we're just going to go right to Tiernan, and we'll bring in Brian in a minute. So, Tiernan, what questions do you have about uh, playing the role of Shrek? Well, um, I've been getting, it's, my character's been developing, but um, I wanted to find, I wanted to hear some advice on how to go beyond just saying the lines, particularly because he's such an iconic character. How did he get past, you know, Shrek's Scottish accent and just saying the lines as opposed to, finding the character like you would in a lot of other musicals. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, that's, that's got to be kind of a strange thing because in a, in a normal play, I imagine you're playing another person, a human being, but in Shrek, you're playing an ogre, which is maybe harder, harder to relate to. Exactly. I, Tiernan, I think that's something we can help you with. Uh, Brian, are you, are you there? Hi, Tiernan. Hi. How's it going, man? It's good. How's it going with you? It's going very well. I, I've been listening to what you what you uh, what you've been saying, and Tiernan, you sound you sound like you've had a lot of experience acting, and, and the way you talk about how you're approaching this is very impressive. Um, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like just your what you've been communicating and your mindset is is really kind of perfectly ripe for um, for this conversation or for your, your approach to, to playing any character, let alone this this ogre. Well, thank you very much. Well, hey, uh, so Brian, let's let's get to some of the things Tiernan w- was talking about. Um, it is, you know, Shrek is a character that isn't uh, a lot like uh, who any of us are day to day. How do you how do you start getting into that character? Well, uh, obviously, no one knows what it is to be uh, an ogre, but we all know what it what it's like to feel alone, to feel scared to feel isolated, to feel angry, to feel monstrous in a way um, in terms of how we perhaps show our emotions or release them. And I think, you know, you're in high school, right? It's a boarding school. It's a high school boarding school. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth or or paint you with the wrong brush, but I know my experience in high school, and I think this is probably true with a lot of of people, young adults this age, is an incredible revelatory time for a person – and oftentimes there's great there's great joy in that, and there's also great pain in that, uh, in terms of finding oneself and finding where they belong and who they are, and how they fit in. And so I think, you know, now that I'm just saying it out loud, I think this show is pretty amazing to consider to do for um, a high school because the theme of of finding oneself and and, and figuring out who you are and what makes you um, proud about yourself and what makes you feel ashamed or things you need to work on or things you need to explore about yourself. This is a fantastic show for that, you know, letting your freak flag fly and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great yeah. anthem for just being who you are. Thank you so much. That's, that's really good advice. That, uh, wow. I hope so. That, that I, don't know, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> does, Shrek mm-hmm. have, does Shrek have an accent in the musical? We talked a lot about that at the beginning, and um, Mike Myers... Uh, uh, 
In fact, the I heard a story that he didn't have an accent. He did a Canadian accent originally, and um, they were about three three quarters of the way through uh, the the making of the film, and Mike Myers wanted to try felt it very very important to try doing it as a, in a Scottish accent once again to define his otherness to make him something different than the rest of the uh, the sounds as well as the sight of the character so huh. um, mm-hmm. we we held followed suit with that but having said that I think Tiernan you can explore finding you don't have to do a, a perfect Scottish accent by any means uh, but I do think it helps okay. by again that 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 um, defining him as being something different. Tiernan, what is your what is your Shrek voice like? Uh, do you want to hear it? I just heard it. Ah, <laughs> uh, just a little bit. Oh. Uh, that'll do, donkey. That'll do. Wow. You're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> no. I sounded Romanian about three, three months into the run. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine, like, an ogre is a big guy, and neither, I don't, have, haven't seen either of you, Brian, I've seen you, but you're, you're not a huge guy, right? No, no, not at all. I mean, well, I, I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> so how, what's the secret to playing like a big, burly, beastly ogre? I mean, you have to, physicality, you have to carry yourself differently, right? That's true, yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, you just kind of did it and just in, in creating the, your image in your head and that snap snapshot that you just kind of, the audio version of that, you, you, you'll find ways to find it in your voice. You'll find ways to, to find it in your walk. Uh, you'll find ways in just your just you know I would explore Tiernan just just motion and and what it what it takes to 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 move. I I had a um, I I had a secret epiphany watching Joe Cocker once on a YouTube video. I stumbled across this this thing, but he has the most incredibly unique uh, movement patterns when he sings. <laughs> And I, I thought that was pretty cool, and I, I always secretly had that in my mind as um, as a kind of a DNA for his movement. Um, so, and that you know, obviously, I wasn't I wasn't walking or, or you know trying to be Joe Cocker, but um, find things that you can you can see that you relate to as being uh, kind of lumbersome and 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 all those things. I'm sure you are you're already doing that. Tiernan, yeah. who's your who's your Joe Cocker? Do you have one? I hadn't really thought about that yet, so now I'm going to have to go find one. It's an amalgam of images that that I have. You know, I would always when I was doing it, it was it's like you know if you if you're pregnant for the first time, all of a sudden everyone you see in the world is pregnant, and you you're just realizing it for the first time. Um, I'm not pregnant, by the way, but uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <thanks>. yeah. <laughs> so what I what I'm trying to say is find little things that you see in others um, on campus or, or in books that, that can give you a visual, um, foothold on it. Because I found that those things were always little touchstones for me to come back to, to just to check in on and and make sure I was, um, achieving what I had imagined. That's great for your friends too. Cause you can be like, Hey, I just want you to know you inspired your loneliness (laughs) and physical (laughs) deformity inspired my performance in Shrek. Yeah, special note in the program. <laughs> Thanks to Charles Feldman. He's very lonely, and it helped me. Well, Brian, uh, Tiernan, thank you both so much. Thank you very much. Bye, guys. Thanks. Here it is, January 2013, and we're still collecting your Toilets of the Week. Send your uh, toilet submissions to howto at npr.org. And you can also send them to us on Facebook. Now, before we get to this week's winner, we got an email from Evan Weiss. Evan sent us a song that he made uh, that he thought would be good to go with uh, Toilet of the Week. 
It's called The Morning Washroom, and what you're about to hear is made with nothing but a piano and bathroom sounds. All right, on, on to this week's uh, submission. Yes, our producer Blythe uh, went out on the road with her friends Megan and Allison to a place called the Bluebird Tattoo in Portage, Indiana. She came back uh, completely tattooed, almost unrecognizable. It's Actually, I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful art. Uh, a tattoo artist and owner of Bluebird Tattoo, Drew, had, had nominated their bathroom. Hey, Hi. is uh, someone named Andrew here? Drew? Could be Drew, yeah. Drew, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. nice. I'm Blythe from How to Do Everything. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, so we wanted to, I wanted to just check out your bathroom. I was, oh, oh, okay, cool. is that cool? Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, so we're going back, uh, oh, through this, uh, there's beads hanging from the door, and there's uh, a sword, like a, like something you'd see in Princess Bride, not like a samurai sword. Okay, we're back in an office area. And, uh, okay, above the bathroom, there is a, it lo- it's, like a dr- it's like a decal of a mostly naked woman holding a book over her chest. Classically bookish, yeah. <laughs> In the bathroom now, there is a painting of a woman crying, and uh, there's like a thought bubble, and it says, uh, why doesn't my boyfriend have tattoos? Um, and then uh, there's a mask of a giraffe. Oh, Good lord. Uh, over the over the toilet, there's a watercolor of, it uh, looks like a samurai with swords coming through the back of his head, through his uh, eyeballs. So, uh, Drew, you submitted this bathroom, as, and it's your own bathroom. Yes, yeah, it's the bathroom at our tattoo shop here. Yeah. It's very fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one time, we thought about decorating it as if someone had just been murdered in there, uh-huh. and then we decided that would just be a little too... freaky so we went with like coral walls and wooden masks i feel like people some people might be already like a little bit nervous if they're getting their first tattoo or something and then to have it look like somebody got murdered exactly yeah 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 the music kind of breaks the ice a little bit better than blood and you know crime scene tape remember megan and i do actually oh that's right that's right well do you want to go here all right yeah yeah Gotta get the full experience. Congratulations, Drew. You have this week's Toilet of the Week. You know what we shouldn't do? We shouldn't get toilet tattoos to celebrate. That would be a terrible idea. We would regret it immediately. It's a little late. That does it. For this week's show, what we learned today, Mike? Well, I learned that before he was Scottish, Shrek had a Canadian accent. Can you imagine how different that w- that would be? I, yeah, it's a different, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I think it would be a lot more polite. Yes. Uh, according to Michael Moore's film, Bowling for Columbine, he would be a lot less likely to own a gun. Huh, that he'd have great health care. I wonder if he would have been plaid instead of green. Oh. I learned that uh, fish, that you can figure out how old they are by counting the rings in their ear bones. Well, that's the same with trees. I wonder if maybe just fish and trees are more alike than we think. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. I have been wanting to try uh, McDonald's filet tree sandwich. 
How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Hega with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Liz Wildenberg. Who's Liz? She's a friend of mine. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And check out our website at howtodoeverything.org. I'm Shrek. I'm Shrek. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That was awesome. At what point in in Broadway training do you learn to burp on command? Well, it's it's a different class than the farting, but uh, it's it's very early on.